0: Hey dad, you and I, we talk a lot, right? Shoot the breeze as they used to call it. And it's one of my favorite things about you. Whatever I wanna talk about, you can talk about it too. It's always been like that. If I wanted to do it, you'd do it too. And you had this endless patience for me in all my learning phases. You know, the shoe tying, the bike riding, the math learning, uh, the ball throwing, the car driving, just to name a few truth is, I'm still learning from you even today. Even if I won't admit it. But I didn't realize it then how long your patience really was. How much I tested it with my attitude and that mouth of mine. How many prayers you must have prayed on those long drives you took alone. But you kept at it. Those talks you insisted on having with me. Those rules you wouldn't budge on. Those hard consequences that you made me face. The way you wouldn't let me give up on myself. So yeah, We still talk a lot, but I realized the other day, I haven't said enough to you about the things that really matter. I guess somehow I thought you surely must know how grateful I am for all that you've endured for my sake. How secure I felt because you always kept your eye on me. How thankful I am that you held fast to all the right things on my behalf. So I don't want this Father's Day to go by without you knowing, I love you, dad. I'm thankful for you. God, as he always does, knew what he was doing when he was handing out fathers. He blessed me. You made us a great team. Love you, Dad.
1: And all of you said, amen, amen, amen and amen. Well, it's good to be here this morning, and I want to thank Pastor Tom for inviting me to bring the message this morning. What a privilege and opportunity. And so thank you, Pastor Tom. And as a signature slide, I hope that this is your feeling, that West Highland is your home away from home. And I hope that your attitude this morning when you got up was, you said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know, one of the slides that I always show is Pastor Tom. And I always promote his message. And I'd like for you to take your cell phones out, take a picture of this. My ministry is all about evangelism, and we need to be bringing people. We need to be inviting people. And so here's one Pastor Tom, another fun filled, action packed, dynamic message from Psalm 11 next week. You don't have to make any phone calls, don't have to write any letters. Just simply take a picture of it and send it to as many people as you can. And uh, notice his message next week, Psalm 11, written by David. And there's a question embedded and asked in that chapter. What can the righteous do? And it's not a question that David asks. It's a question that his friends or his advisors are asking. And so you want to come next week to hear what the, the Spirit has laid upon pastor's heart as to in this day and age, as you listen to the news, we say, what can the righteous do? And today, I want to share some thoughts about a day a dad met Jesus from Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 29. And if you are able, would you stand for the reading of God's holy word? Mark chapter 9, beginning with verse Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, "'How long has he been like this?' "'From childhood,' he answered. "'It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. "'But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us.' "'If you can,' said Jesus, "'everything is possible for him who believes.' And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, "'I do believe.' After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. You may have a seat. Thank you. May the Lord add the blessing to the hearing and reading of his word this morning. More important than the reading and the hearing, the absorption and the application. And even more important than those things, sharing the word of God with others. Happy Father's Day. When I was growing up on the farm, every lunch hour, Paul Harvey would be on the news and one of my favorite commentators. And Paul Harvey had a commentary on fathers. He says, what are fathers made of? A father is a thing, said Paul, that is forced to endure childbirth without anesthetic. A father never feels entirely worthy of the worship In a child's eyes, he is never quite the hero his daughter thinks he is, never quite the man his son believes him to be, and that worries him sometimes. So he works hard to try and smooth out the rough places in the road for those of his own who will follow him. A father is a thing that gets very angry when school grades are not as good as he thinks they should be, and uh, he scolds his son, though he knows it's teacher's fault, A father gives daughters away to other men that are not nearly good enough so they can have grandchildren that are smarter than anyone. And while mothers can cry where it shows, fathers stand there and beam outside and die inside. Fathers have very stout hearts, so they have to be broken sometimes or no one would know what is inside. Here are some humorous illustrations. I think you've seen and heard these uh, before, some of them, and maybe you could add to them. This is going to hurt me more than it is you. How should I know? Ask your mother. When I was your age, I walked to school three miles each way and uphill both ways. Why? Because I said so. Just wait till you have kids of your own. Uh, Before we start out, does anyone have to go to the bathroom? And like many parents, I'm sure you have said, I don't care if everybody else has one. I don't care if everybody else is doing it. And perhaps, again, you've added some to those things. But here is a sad commentary of one father, his confession. He says, I took my children to school, but not to church. I taught them to think about the living water, I enrolled them in Little League and soccer, but not Sunday school, youth group, or vacation Bible school. I showed them how to fish, but not to be a fisher of people. I made the Lord's Day a holiday instead of a holy day. I taught them that church is full of hypocrites, and of course I'm the biggest one. I gave them a color TV, an iPad, an iPhone, but provided no Bible. I handed them the keys to the car, but did not get them to the person who had the keys to the kingdom. I taught them how to make a living, but I failed to bring them to Christ, who alone can show us how to make life worth living and have eternal life. Just for the fun of it, I thought you might be interested in hearing what we call uh, some of Dad's. How do you know Dad is entering his senior moments, his golden years? The gleam in his eye is the sun hitting his bifocals. You sink your teeth into a stake and they stay there. Everything hurts. What doesn't hurt doesn't work. Your knees buckle, but your belt won't. You need a fire permit to light the candles on your birthday cake. I came across an article, you may not be able to see it from where you're sitting, entitled The Absence, the Father's Absence Crisis in America. It's from the National Fatherhood Initiative, and it talks about 18.4 million chir- children, and one in four without a biological, a step, or adoptive father at home, and some of the consequences that are likely to take place. We could spend an entire uh, mourning on those things, but I don't want to concentrate on the negative. I think you know some of those things, but I've got some of these uh, printed off back on the table and in the information table in the Uh Help yourself. Before we get to today's text, I thought I'd share with you from David, King David, who was a man after God's own heart. Here is what he told his son Solomon. I am about to go the way of all the earth, so be strong. Show yourself a man and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and his commandments. And if we go to the New Testament, the apostle Paul was a father figure to his young protege, Timothy. And here's what Paul tells Timothy. Train yourself to be godly set an example for believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. And he tells uh, Timothy to pursue four things. He says, I want you to pursue righteousness, godliness, endurance, and gentleness. Read 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy to learn more what Paul told him. But you know, based upon our experiences, I think that all of us could add something to Father's Day and share some of our wisdom and all that collective wisdom. But you know what really counts is what does God say? What does God say about the roles and responsibilities of a father and the role of a husband? We have to be in the Word daily to know what those things are. I might read something today and it would have application for me. You might read the same thing it wouldn't have application for you. But God is going to guide us in all truth and going to give you exactly what you need when you need it. You know, today across America, we're honoring fathers. And this morning, I'd like to encourage you and challenge you to touch base with your fathers and tell them how much you miss them, how much you appreciate them, your thankfulness, your heart all about that. And uh, I, I, I didn't do it enough when my father was living, and uh, if you don't have a father, touch base with a grandfather, an uncle, a brother, or someone else. Maybe get alone with our Heavenly Father and talk to God. You know, I have to be careful on a day like today. Maybe there are uh, some of your fathers who aren't in the picture. <clears throat> Maybe they've gone home to be with Jesus. And your heart is still tender. And we want to be sensitive and <laughs> In those things maybe you're experiencing grief and loss and our deepest sympathies are extended to you my dad entered eternity 14 years ago he was the the best friend he was at my wedding he was my best man and you might say well ask do you know anybody who asked their father to be their best man at the time my brother was in the Marines in Vietnam So I asked my dad to stand up in proxy for my brother at my wedding. And I could have had many friends in college or relatives, but I asked my dad. And when I asked him... I'll never forget the tears. I was raised on a farm in Indiana. And on that farm, there's a special bonding, I think, that takes place between sons and daughters and their parents. When you work together for the betterment, there's no time for contention and strife and dissension and all fat. You have to work together so that you're blessed and because of the survival of the farm. And... Uh, Maybe some of you didn't have that kind of relationship with your dad. Maybe your relationship has left much to be desired. And you wish things could be different, even today or in the past. In 1992, I read in a magazine called Bits and Pieces a story about a father in Spain, in Madrid. And this father and son were having words heated argument and things got out of hand emotions flared and feelings and it ended up the, the son walked out the door son walked out the door and the father was sure that son was going to come back that evening but he didn't come back that evening he didn't come back the next day so he was desperate so he went out to madrid and started walking the streets to try and find his son couldn't find him and in desperation he decided i'll put an ad in the paper. And the ad in the paper went something like this Dear Pacos, I forgive you, I miss you, I love you, I want you to come home. And if that's your feeling as well, meet me at the park at 9 o'clock Saturday morning. Saturday morning, he arrived, he was overwhelmed. Over 100 Pacos showed up. <laughs> His son was there, of course. And he looked at the rest of them, and he said, well, it's obvious that you would like to have this experience as well. Am I correct? They said, yeah. I said, can you come back 9 o'clock next Saturday? They said, yeah, we'll do that. So on Monday morning, Dad put an ad in the paper. Dear Mom and Dad, I miss you. I love you. I want to come home. And if that's your feeling too, come to the park at 9 o'clock Saturday. And you know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, it was packed, and families reunited. And you know, if you're like me, oftentimes you say things, do things that are not godly, and that you wish you could take them back, and because of your love for people. And so may we all submit to God you know in exodus chapter 20 verse 12 god tells us to do something do you know what he tells us to do he says honor your father and your mother and it's the first commandment with a promise because he says that your days may be long upon the land your days may be long i'd like to share something from psalm 78 and tell you what else god wants us to do O oh, my people hear my teaching we will tell the next generation the praise-worthy deeds of the Lord, His power, and the wonders He has done. He commanded our forefathers to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and not forget His deeds and keep His commandments. If you remember my message on the last Sunday of April, you remember it was entitled How to Raise a Thoroughbred, Training Thoroughbreds. And I used in there what I call affectionately call the Magna Carta of the home from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 to 9 where we are told that the training program, the things of God, are to be done continually, constantly, all the time. And you know fathers commanded uh, us to teach our children and to point them to Him, and so that our children may have confidence in Him and the commandments. Here's what the Apostle Paul told the Ephesians in chapter 6, verse 4. Bring your children up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Well, I thought we might, as we take a look at our passage uh, today, share with you where the story takes place, a historical account. Mount Hermon, I've identified with a red arrow at the top, and just to give you a perspective of where it takes place, uh, there's Jerusalem down there at the bottom arrow, about 160 miles. Jesus would take 8 to 10 days to walk that. He's walking all over the country during his three years of ministry. And today he's a, he just came down from Mount Hermon. He had taken Peter, James, and John to the top for what we call the transfiguration experience with Moses and Elijah. And today I want to share seven principles, application, life application, from our pericope of Scripture. And when they came down, they found the other nine disciples are down, and they find these disciples are distressed, and they're kind of embarrassed because a father had brought a child with an evil spirit, and they couldn't cast it out. Now, here's what verse 15 says. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Why do you think this might have happened, that they'd ran to meet Jesus? They were overwhelmed with wonder. And how about the transfiguration experience? You remember Matthew's Gospel shares this. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Do you remember Exodus chapter 24? Moses is the top of Mount Sinai and with the Lord and talks about his face being radiant and shining because he had had uh, words with the Lord. Principle number one I want to share with you today is simply this. This father took ownership and responsibility for his actions. And so this Father's Day, fathers, we need to take ownership and responsibility for the things that we do. And he says... The father says, teacher, I brought you my son. He's not blaming the scribes. He's not blaming the Pharisees. He's not blaming circumstances or situation. He says, I simply bringing him to you. He's been possessed with a spirit. I need some help here. And the Greek word for this, I can't even pronounce it, has to do with that word, which means to be moonstruck and it means the moon, or lunar, from which we get the word lunatic. And it was an expression based on the ancient belief that mental illness, or madness, or seizures, all of these things were caused by the influence of the moon. And the Greek word describes here what we now know as various forms and disorders of of nervousness, uh, epilepsy, convulsions, when we were ministering at the First Baptist Church of Monroe, I'll never forget one Sunday I was preaching, and this lady sitting next to the aisle, uh, uh, next to the aisle there, got up and fell over on the floor, started convulsing, and, and started doing exactly what we hear today. I thought, What's going on? The deacons all ran over to her. They knew, and there was a flickering fluorescent bulb someplace, and she saw, and it triggered this epilepsy, this convulsion on her part. So we made sure that the fluorescent bulbs, this didn't happen, the ballast and all that, but having to do with darkness and light like the greater lunar situation here. But the father took ownership and responsibility, and I think we need more dads that do that. And when called upon the carpet in the world today, what is a normal reaction? Blame. Blame somebody else, it's not my fault, or I did it because of environment. You don't know my situation, you don't know my circumstances, and there are reasons that I do what I do, instead of simply taking ownership and responsibility. Principle number two I want to share with you is simply that the Father brought his son to Jesus. And in addition to being saved, in addition to having a relationship with Jesus Christ, in addition to making Jesus King and Savior of our lives, the next best thing is the Father needs to make sure that his family know Jesus and are brought to Jesus. And we have a responsibility to make sure that our family is nurtured in the admonition. That means teaching and training of the things of the Lord. And so, fathers, we need to be demonstrating that we are seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness. Fathers, we need to make sure that we're bringing our families before the throne of grace and prayer. Fathers, we need to be studying the Word, meditating on the Word. We need to make sure that our families are in the Word. Fathers, we need to set example in sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ with others. Fathers, we need to demonstrate grace and mercy and forgiveness and fathers we need to be loving you lord with all of our heart with all of our soul with all of our mind with all of our strength principle number 3 the father recognized that there was something wrong how do we know the difference between right and wrong how do we uh, where, what's the standard well obviously the standard is the word of god the living word the living word of god and in john's gospel 1717 17, we have these words recorded where he says, Sanctify them by your truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Not only did the father recognize something was wrong, he knew what it was. He knew his son had been having all of this and for a long time. And I've got a question for you. Do we truly know the effects of sin in our life? The things that we watch, the things that we see, and do we know how it affects our mind, our consciousness, our living, or maybe even our physical bodies? Our physical bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we should be doing things that would not jeopardize the Holy Spirit's temple. And so what does Jesus say in all this? He says, bring the boy to me. So they brought him and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion, fell to the ground, rolled around, foamed at the mouth. And fathers, anytime the devil sees you trying to get close to Jesus, don't be surprised if a devil tries to throw you to the ground and distract you from getting into the word, distract you from investing time in prayer. You know, throwing you to the ground and these distractions could be in the form of sports. It might be our jobs. It might be a daily activity. Anything in your life that keeps you from getting close to the Lord. And the devil may try to get you to the ground through finances. Maybe through the physical illness. Maybe through envy, greed, pride, and lust. And the devil may try to get to you through the schemes of the world. Throwing us to the ground may cause us to focus on the problem instead of the power And all of you know what the power is, don't you? The power of Jesus. Everything in the world is under the authority of Jesus. What does the Bible say when we encounter the devil? I think the devil, it it just simply says, Submit to God. You've all seen this. And if I I asked you, you would say, Well, yeah, I know how to do this. Resist the devil, and he's going to flee from us. But I think most people forget the three words in front of resisting submit to God. Oftentimes, we forget that piece. We forget that we need to do that. You know, many people are in the world, or they're kind of like the lad in this story, through no fault of their own, and they're on the ground, wallowing around, rolling around, foaming at the mouth, in the world, of the world, entwined with the world, and maybe there's some habit, some behavior, some addiction that's keeping us from Jesus. But all we've got to remember is the role of the Holy Spirit where he says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so what does Jesus ask the boy? How long has he been like this? From childhood. From childhood. We don't know how old he was, this lad, but it's been a long time. It has thrown him into the fire, water to kill him, and if you can do anything, please help us the father recognized his helplessness. And as a parent, you may agree with me, but one of the worst times that I ever experienced was when one of my boys or both of them, they, they got hurt, and there wasn't anything I could do to make it feel better. Or I would trade places with them if I could whenever things like uh, you know injuries or whatever happened. And Jesus saw clearly through this, he could have walked up and just taken care of the situation, which he does, but what does he do first? He ministers to the Father. He ministers to the Father. And wants to know how long he's been like this and all about the situation. And if you can do something, the Father says, please help. What a, what a statement. What a statement. The Lord's patient. Jesus is patient. He's interested and gentle enough to allow this father to express his feelings and emotions and oh principle number four. Love. Love your family. Love your family. Never give up on them. This son must have been physically a mess. I want you to think about it. The devil had thrown him into the fire. Back in Bible times, there was always a pit someplace with fires, glowing embers. And if the devil has thrown him in there, you've seen people who have had burns and scar tissue. And if this has been happening for a long time, can you imagine in your minds the disfigurement What this boy must have looked like happened all of his life. And Jesus says, if you can, well, everything's possible to him who believes. Help my unbelief. Sounds like an oxymoron. I believe, but help my unbelief. And here's kind of my take on that that probably, the reason he's bringing Jesus and disciples because he probably heard about the transforming power of Jesus and the physical healing. So he brings them and and he's heard, he believes that Jesus can do it because he's heard from other people that it can be done, but he's, he's never experienced it personally. Your disciples didn't do it. I haven't found anybody. I don't know if you can or not. Help my unbelief. And if truth were to be known, I think probably that's the prayer of most of us. I believe, but help my unbelief. I don't quite have the, the, the faith, Lord, that you said just the size of a mustard seed. I probably ought to get a mustard seed so that you could see how small that is, but it's one of the smallest of seeds. And most of us, myself included, probably does not have that kind of faith. And I need more faith. I need more faith. And so I think that uh, we take a look at principle number five. With Jesus, all things are possible. What does Scripture teach us? It says, with man, this is impossible in Matthew's gospel, but with God, all things are possible. We take out Luke's gospel. He says, for nothing is impossible with God. And today's Scripture, everything is possible for him who believes. Now, when Jesus saw the crowd was running to him, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. That phrase, never enter him again, is only used one time in Scripture, and Jesus only says it one time here to the evil spirit. And I want to give you a little background maybe on this one. And Jesus tells us in Matthew's Gospel... When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it founds a house unoccupied, swept, clean, and put in order. Then it goes in and takes with it seven other spirits. More wicked than itself, and they go to live there. And the final condition of this man is worse than the first. Never enter him again, says Jesus. And perhaps Jesus is saying to this evil spirit, you have caused so much grief, you have tormented and tortured this young lad, that I'm not going to, your your sentence is right now. You're never going to enter him again. Get out. Get out. Principle number six. Fathers, when Jesus gets a hold of a person, there will be a change. You can count on it. You can't encounter the risen Christ without change you can't immerse your mind and your spirit meditate on scripture without this changing you this is the living word not just words on a page the living word of God and when you realize your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit I've already covered this but there should be a change in the habits the way you treat your temple because the Holy Spirit lives there And your thoughts, your thoughts should be changing. Can you do that? Yes. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the Bible says in our closing here, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? What was Jesus' answer? Jesus says, Jesus says, Jesus says, we need to pray. We need to pray. This is not a prayer that you say before your meal, thank you, Lord, for the meal, or your nighttime prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. This is serious prayer where you get alone with the Father and you're talking to the Father about all of your needs, about the things that are bothering you, the things you need help with, the things you can't take care of. Just simply cry out. Jesus, Jesus, I need help, and he'll answer that prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for Father's Day. Help us to remember that every day is Father's Day, and that as fathers we have biblical roles and responsibilities that we need to live out, that we need to set examples, that that we need to to be a man. And so, Lord, help each one of us do that. Help each one of us do that as we turn our lives over to you, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, before the praise band begins to play, you might be like the Father in this pericope of Scripture today. You might have a need that you need to bring to Jesus. You might be like the lad in which the devil has gotten a hold of you in such a way that on your own you are powerless. And dad needs to bring to Jesus these things. You might be like that lad. You might be like the disciples. You feel even though you've had a close walk with the Lord, you might feel that you just can't can't do things and you don't know why. And so we need to get into the Word and let the Lord show us. He's promised us to direct our paths. So whatever your need is, and maybe it's to encounter Jesus for the first time, like this dad. And if that's your your feeling, if that's your thought, then we invite you to come as we sing our closing hymn. But we also realize that these things don't always take place in a worship service. They might happen on the road. They might happen... Uh, on our job or at play, whenever the Lord gets a hold of you, respond, respond to the invitation of Jesus. And let Pastor Tom and the elders know so that we can rejoice with you. Amen.